Gotcha. It's the Holy Gospel of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ according to John. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive, for as yet there was no Spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Again, very warm welcome to Christ Church, and extra warm welcome to the Hepler family. Lindsay Hepler was a um, fellow in the Christ Church Fellows Program, and Maddie and I ran the program together back in 2015, and you guys have always been special to us, and what a special day for Madeline to get baptized. Now, I remember um, sitting in the back of my mom's Volvo station wagon when I first realized that all rock and roll bands were not created equal. On the bottom tier were the one-hit wonders, the My Sharonas, the Spirit in the Skies, and then there was the steady constants like the Guess Who, who delivered a solid number of hits. The third tier were those so prolific you wondered how so many songs could come from one source in the Rolling Stones. Creedence Clearwater Revival. This might be controversial, but in my opinion, at the top of the echelons stood the ultimate singularity. You could all say it together if you want. The Beatles. If God was a sower scattering seeds of inspiration, it was as if the bottom of the seed bag had fallen right out over John, Paul, George, and by God's grace, even Ringo. Talk about being at the right place at the right time. Ever since the Fab Four burst onto the scene, we have been trying to make sense of their genius. Talent, which is indirectly what I want to talk about this morning, is one of the mysterious coincidences of life. It's not the same as a skill. We're not talking about computer coding. A skill is learned over time. But a talent is what people, even non-Christians, often call God-given. The writer Fran Lebowitz once said, talent is randomly distributed throughout the world. You cannot buy it. You cannot learn it. You cannot inherit it. It can come up anywhere. People are looking for explanations for success other than talent because it's infuriating. Now, Leibowitz hits a nerve by pointing out the major controversy about talent, its lack of fairness. As a culture, we often insist that hard work is the key to success because it suggests a sense of fairness. Fifteen years ago, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, which sold a billion copies, introduced the 10,000-hour rule, which was his theory that famous success, success stories like the Beatles were not simply a matter of giftedness, but sheer determination. The real reason for the success of that band 
he argued, was due to their four years in Hamburg, Germany, where in dark and mostly empty nightclubs, they played well over a thousand concerts. People loved the 10,000 hour rule. It was empowering to think that success was available to anyone who was willing to put in the time and the effort. If time was money, success was something that could be purchased or earned. Today, however, on Pentecost, we find that God is not interested in the, in, he's not interested in the payment economy, but in the gift economy. Pentecost refers to the day when, shortly after Jesus' ascension, the disciples were gathered in a room when the Holy Spirit came rushing in, uninvited, like a violent wind. It says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. We've since come to understand the meaning of Pentecost in terms of the gift of the Spirit. In today's passage from 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says every spiritual gift is activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually as the Spirit chooses. In other words, God's approach to giftedness has nothing to do with work ethic or drive or discipline. Every unique ability, be it wisdom or discernment or knowledge, is given, not earned. Even faith itself is a gift. Paul says no one can even say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, to be clear, life is challenging. Most of us have to work hard just to stay afloat. And yet, and yet, there are areas in our lives where things come a little more naturally. You may be a gifted listener who can listen to someone attentively without interjecting your own experience. Maybe you are one of the few who doesn't take themselves too seriously and you can help the rest of us lighten up a bit. Chances are you're not even conscious of your ability which is the beauty of it. These are the places of spiritual giftedness where God is actually providing you with the means to love people. J.R. Moringer, the ghostwriter behind Prince Harry's memoir, Spare, recently wrote a piece in The New Yorker about what it's like to write on someone else's behalf. He said, the mystic paradox of ghostwriting is that you're inherent and nowhere vital and invisible. To borrow an image from William Gass, you're the air in someone else's trumpet. <laughs> now the same goes for God's work in your life. The word inspire, after all, means to breathe into, which literally implies that His Spirit is the air in your trumpet. Now, what usually happens is that as soon as we become aware of these gifts, we will commodify them, which often leads to their spoiling. You may love to write until you get your very first assignment to write for money, and then you will hate to write. 
the boon becomes a burden. If your gift becomes a means to an end, like success, it will become an investment rather than a gift. Just ask any high school athlete whose gift has been turned into their ticket to college. In truth, we are not only hardwired to commodify any God-given gift, but to reject the idea that it was ever a gift to begin with. A few years ago, an article in Vox announced that the 10,000-hour rule had been officially debunked. There were two different studies, one with violinists and one with baseball hitters. Both confirmed that while practice accounts for some level of success, it's not the key factor. I happen to know a handful of guys who have logged 10,000 hours on the guitar, and let's just say they are still no George Harrison. <laughs> practice, it turns out, is not guaranteed to make perfect. But I guarantee you that the book Outliers will always be popular because we live in a society that insists that if we can make it if we try, that with enough foresight and determination, our lives can turn out exactly how we want them to. I still have yet to meet a living person who can actually say that that is an accurate description of life. We need to believe that practice makes perfect in order to justify our existence, though. If practice doesn't make perfect, why are we trying so hard? Our hope, therefore, is not in our ability to accept God's gifts, because we will likely either commodify or commandeer or even reject them. Our only hope is in the gift itself or rather the gift himself. A few chapters earlier in this reading in 1 Corinthians, Paul calls the grace of God through Jesus God's indescribable gift. He's a gift that we rejected by nailing it to a cross. And yet through our rejection, you and I became acceptable to God. Practice may not make perfect. But do you know who did? Do you know who made you perfect? The book of Hebrews says, for by one sacrifice, the cross, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Jesus Christ, God's gift to the world and to you, has made you perfect through his blood. Not practice. What does that mean for you? It means that life is not a talent show. Life is not something to be performed or earned, but a gift to be received. It means that you are not saved by your hard work or merit. As the Book of Common Prayer reminds us, God accepts us not by weighing our merits, but by pardoning our offenses. It also means that you can enjoy the gifts that God has bestowed upon others rather than hate those people for what you lack. In other words, you can stop condemning yourself for not being Paul McCartney and just start enjoying his music. As the music journalist Rob Sheffield once said, being born on the same planet as the Beatles is one of the test best ten things that has ever happened to me. And the same goes for your sister, 
or your friend, to know that you are neither superior or inferior to anyone in the eyes of God means that you, will, you might be able to enjoy other people or even love them or celebrate them. Now, this may be bad news if you're feeling particularly pleased with yourself or superior. But if you happen to feel a little aimless or even a little worthless compared to what other people are doing with their lives, the news that you are already justified by Jesus will feel like a breath of fresh air. It means you can finally enjoy the freedom of your own mediocrity. <laughs> Brian Resnick, he's the journalist who wrote that article in Vox, said the debunking of the 10,000-hour rule was a profound relief because it freed him from having to justify himself in everything he did. He writes, to this day, I'm a slow, clumsy hiker, but I love being outdoors. I'm an okay painter, but it's just nice sometimes to get out a canvas and engage the nonverbal parts of my brain. I find when I free myself from the expectation that I can be great, I can start having fun. He says, I wish I'd heard more of this growing up. I wonder if you can relate. Lastly, the fact that Jesus has already made you perfect means that if and when you feel like the wind in your sails has died, you can take comfort in the fact that the core of your identity is not in your gifts. Your resume is not the basis of your righteousness. In fact, because Jesus' birth, life, and death has taken the place of your birth, life, and death, your biography, your memoir, has already been ghostwritten for you. And if you're interested in reading it, I recommend Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke or John. Now, just like we do with the Beatles, you may try to make sense of that or explain it away. Or, by God's grace, you can simply accept the gift and sing along. Amen.